You're listening to Once, Episode 62, Tallahassee. Welcome back to another episode of Once Podcast, the podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Jenny. And we have a special guest with us in the studio, but many of you will remember him from season one. He was with us many of the times, and now he reappears as a special guest through the bean hole of <laughs> the podcasting. <laughs> we have with us Dan Flynn. Thank you for joining us again, Dan. It's great to have you back with us. And listeners, it is so great to have you listening to us again. We're going to be talking about the episode Tallahassee. But before we do, we really need your help in the podcast awards. I know I mentioned this a lot, and that's because I want you to work on this a lot. And thank you so much for nominating us into the finalist position in the entertainment category in the podcast awards. But we need your help to vote daily for us. Every single day, go to podcastawards.com and vote for our multiple podcasts that we have in the awards. Under comedy, we have The Ramen Noodle. Under entertainment, we have Once Podcast. And under technology, we have The Audacity to Podcast. If you could go and vote for each of our podcasts every day through November 15th, we would really appreciate that. Just make sure you also check your email afterward because you may receive a verification email to confirm your vote that you are a real human and all of that. So we love all of the work that you've done so far to nominate us nominate us, <laughs> and get us into the awards. Now we really need your help to vote for us every day. If you want to see a walkthrough of how to do that, you can jump to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. So let's talk about this awesome episode, Tallahassee. This was a very different take on the episode. And do you know what episode number this is? Because it's significant. After I did the math, I, I realized this. Oh, wait. Six? Isn't it 28? <laughs> Episode 28. Oh, I, why is that significant? That's how old Emma is. At, oh. On her 28th birthday, <laughs> she would return. Nice. That's how long the curse has been in place, or, or 28 years or so. The, the number 28 is used a lot, uh, referring to the time that's passed since the curse and all of that. So it's kind of funny then that this is the 28th episode total because 22 episodes in season two, six, I mean, 22 in season one, six episodes so far in season two. So cool little thing there. But what did you think now that we've rewatched this episode? It's very different from the others. But what did you guys think overall about this episode? It was, it was just so different and good. But um, it was funny because I felt like I wasn't taking a lot of notes. And I'm wondering if that's partially because it was filling in a lot of gaps and things that people who have been doing what we've been doing and theorizing, it, it was sort of confirming some things, telling us some new things that we didn't really guess. But a lot of it was just saying which of our theories were correct, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yet... It was very straightforward for the most part. There were a few mysterious things like the dream and what was in the box although we think we might have that figured out and certain things like that mm -hmm. but um yeah so uh dan what did you think now you've been like away from the podcast for a while and had to catch up a little bit on the tv show but now 
what do you think looking at this and how this is uh, accumulated so far with season two? I really enjoyed this episode because originally when the first um, episode started and they showed a, they started it in our world. One of the things I was really hoping this direction would go more is, is actually do more scenes and shots in our world. So Mm -hmm. having, yeah, having August searching for Emma and doing the backstory there um, was something I've been looking forward to. I'm hoping they actually go into our world and do scenes like that in our time, like not in the past. So I'm hoping that goes, uh, we see a little bit more of that, but um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it being in our world and getting to finally, hopefully answer some more questions that everyone's been wondering about. Yeah. Jenny, what did you think overall? I thought it was a great episode, um, but I did, I did notice that there was nothing from the Enchanted Forest precursor. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't see anything from there. Which is true. the first time ever. Yeah. Right? Uh, I don't and, think so. Of any the, of the stories. At least the season premiere didn't go. We thought it was precursor, but we didn't know yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was present day fairy tale land, but nothing mm-hmm. precursor Enchanted Forest. You're right. Yeah. Right. So this is the second time they've done that. Yeah. And I really liked that we spent so much time in Earth, I guess you could say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It was the least storybook we've seen in an episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we see any of it? Oh, yeah. We saw very little Yeah, just Mary Margaret's apartment. Mm -hmm. Got it. One scene. Yeah. So we've got some awesome things to talk to you about with this episode and uh, some really cool theories and feedback to get into that we're going to try and squeeze into all of this. But I want to thank a few people who have sponsored this episode of Once Podcast, David Newland, Benita Still, and Karen Munoz. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Have uh, Each of them have sponsored this episode of Once Podcast. So thank you so much for your support and being like co-producers with us. And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and that will really help with the expenses of running the podcast and the forums and everything. So thank you so much for your support. Now let's talk about, uh, let's start with the Our World 11 years ago. It's in Portland, Oregon. And Portland, Oregon by itself is kind of a lost reference a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, you, you were really into the lost days. So you want to give a little background to that? <sighs> I can't remember. I'll probably miss some. There was an episode called Not in Portland. <laughs> there was um, There was a particular... I believe Juliet's backstory was rooted in Portland and there were some there were some plot points that were connected. And the villain of Lost, Ben Linus, was born in Portland. Was he? Mm-hmm. Huh. I forgot. Um John pointed that out to us earlier. Uh and we've got some other lost connections that I'll bring up a little bit later. But eleven years ago, so this would make Emma seventeen years old. Right. Um, assuming she hasn't had a birthday yet in Storybrooke. I think if she did, we'd know about it. I, probably. They, they probably would have shown it in some way. So she's 11 years old. I mean, <laughs> seven, <laughs> 17. 17 years old. 11-year-old bank robber. So she was 15 whenever he started looking for her. Yeah. That's a long time. Like, what was he doing for 15 years? Yeah, that. Ooh, yeah, that's true. So he was, August was like seven or eight when he left Emma at that foster home and he ran away. So if 15 that. years later. Yeah. Well, and, um, the, the date matches up or the, the age matches up with what we already know. 
like that Emma had a baby, had Henry when she was 18 and she was in prison right. and she had, she got sentenced for 11 months and that's, um, you know, we see that at the end, hear that from the end of the episode, but also uh, something though, that doesn't quite line up. You may remember the episode desperate souls a while back. There was this newspaper article about Emma Swan and it was this thing that I took a screenshot and very carefully looked at it and read everything about it and tried to figure out what was it that Emma Swan had done that got mm-hmm. her behind bars. And I'll just read a short paragraph from this. It says, records show that when she was merely a girl of 17, Emma Swan found herself, ironically, on the wrong side of the law. She was visiting friends of her foster parents in the town of Worcester, Massachusetts, it would prove to be a trip that would earn her a juvenile criminal record. On the evening of June 16th, 1996, Swan, and then it was cut off. Oh, that's weird. So the location doesn't line up. Be- that is very strange, considering I thought Phoenix was mentioned clear back then. Well, oh, Phoenix, yes. She went to prison in Phoenix. Right. But we, we've we always theorized that her crime was committed somewhere else. Oh, I see. Or she was somewhere else when she was sent to prison, and then she ended up having Henry and Phoenix while in prison. But I think that this, because we only knew this Massachusetts part because we got this screenshot and because we looked at it very closely right. and copied every single word for word. That's the only reason we have this location, Massachusetts. So I'm not going to blame the writers to say, oh, you guys really messed up here. Yeah, not a huge deal. Yeah. Right, so it's it was Portland, Oregon. Fine. I'm, I'm fine with there being this tiny little mistake between the two uh, things. If it the, is a mistake. The dates line up, though. Yeah. Yeah. About now, dates in Storybrooke, they're not trying to make them absolute. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make it more timeless. That's why they're just saying 11 years ago. And, but... Well, when I say it lines up, we saw his birthday. We yes. We saw Neil's birthday. Which was what? Something in 77. Yeah, March 23rd, 1977. So, uh, well, well, we'll talk more about Neil in a little bit. When Emma and Neil met in that car, Funny incident there just by itself, yeah. But uh, he did introduce himself by his full name. And Emma introduced herself by her full name, Emma Swan. So she had the last name Swan at this point. We we have no idea where she got that name Swan from. That's true, we don't. Yeah, because she came to our world as just Emma. Right, I forgot. So maybe it was her foster parents, maybe just the fostering system just gave her the last name Swan. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, if uh, a few other things here about Neil Cassidy's name, John had pointed out to us some lost references that Ben Linus's Swedish passport was registered under the name Dean Moriarty, and Dean Moriarty is a character in the real author Neil Cassidy's book On the Road. So an odd connection there. And Neil Cassidy was a poet. Uh, the real person, Neil Cassidy, was a poet. And we got that also from, um, from I don't see who sent this in. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the name on this. But um, someone had also sent in saying that um, Neil Cassidy was a poet and writer in the Beat Movement, famous for his letters to Jack Kerouac. Kerouac. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> How did you know that? I just know that. I okay. Know. And the basis of the main character in Kira in that guy's <laughs> book on the road. The question now seems to be whether he has a fake name because he is a criminal or because he's a fairy tale character. And there's also the reference to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, two famous train robbers. Yeah, he actually used the phrase on the road later on. Oh, did he? Yeah, when he was talking about oh, going yeah. somewhere and settling down. He said they'd been on the road too long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we're lost. <laughs> yes. Um, did you guys notice anything in particular about his name and just their, their meeting incident with each other? Uh, anything we want to cover in more in depth? How many people do you meet in a car? <laughs> crazy place to meet somebody (laughs) it's not even a bus yeah it's in a car they went into that uh, little convenience store which ends up being called payright r-i-t-e and i got that off of some gift cards that neil stole just before he picked (laughs) up the keychain there were these little gift cards which gift cards maybe back then were actually activated before you before you um were they like Purchased magnetic them? gift cards? Yeah. I didn't think people really had those back then. Well, this is the 90s. Oh, right. I'm Not thinking the 70s. 70s. <laughs> right. I know. I kept making that mistake, too. He was 11 thinking, years oh, yeah. old. I mean, wait. <gasps> and, JMO in the chat room just said, Emma's stealing Neil's car paralleled Snow stealing Charming Jewels. That's cool. Um, yeah, a little bit. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Meeting, yeah. meeting her love while stealing yeah <laughs> did you notice how emma was dressed when they did that heist at the convenience store in flowers obi's girl pointed out did you notice i think it was in the scene when emma and neil were stealing from that store the dress emma was wearing was similar to the dress mary margaret was wearing on her date with dr whale in the episode snow falls <laughs> so it's it's funny to see them dressing somewhat similar but separated by many years. Hmm. And there were, of course, Apollo bars in there. Yes. And uh, great acting. I love that when Neil and Emma came out of the convenience store, Neil said, the little guy saved us. (laughs) Talking about the fake baby. (laughs) But the little guy, Henry, actually did save them. (laughs) It's true. He's a little bit. By the way, when you were referencing referencing his good acting, you're saying when he was taking the Apollo bars and putting them in his pockets, he was doing very good job acting at that time. Mm. I just thought it was funny. You said he was good at. You said he stole the Apollo bars, and that was great (laughs) acting, or something like that. Oh, gave me a chuckle. (laughs) So has that keychain that he took in that store always been a necklace that Emma has been wearing? Yes. Interesting. From season one, from near the beginning. And we've got screenshots of it. If you look at our past episodes, we've got screenshots of that necklace. And we pointed it out. We said, hey, look, she's wearing a necklace that has a swan mm-hmm. on it. Which definitely alludes to the fact that she's never really forgotten about him. Yeah. And she kept yeah. a car, which, why did they keep <laughs> saying, oh, we, we can make it legit or we made it legit by taking a VIN number from another car? How does that work? This is These are crooks in their mind. That's legit. It was just, I think it's funny. And I don't know well, how a bail bonds person drives around in a stolen car. <laughs> and why she keeps it, it, it. I don't know. I found that whole thing funny. Well, it reminds her of him. Yeah. Which you would think she hates him, but clearly she must not. Yeah. Since she told Hook that, you know, no, she's never been in love. And then she changed her mind. Mm. 
but that's later. One of the writers, Jane Espenson, had said that this is the episode where we get the yellow bugs backstory. (laughs) 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 Which I loved when that first scene in Portland, when it says 11 years ago, and we see the bug is there. That was just great to see that. Still runs good as new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the backstory of the keychain that's now her mm-hmm. necklace. Neil had referred to um, retiring the Bonnie and Clyde act, which was a, a famous couple that would rob and do similar things to what they did, like the, the fake pregnancy kind of thing. With a little more violence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hotel they went to was the Red Lantern Lodge. And inside was this dream catcher. Which was apparently left by, what were they doing? Going into a hotel room that a family had just checked out of? Yes. So they didn't have to pay. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Just to be able to use the shower. I mean, these are people very much like Snow was in Fairy Tale Land. These are people that are stealing just to survive. It doesn't make it right, but that's what they're kind of trying to do in the sense of getting into the hotel room just to be able to clean themselves off, which Neil looked like he didn't do often yeah. enough. <laughs> but this dream catcher is in there, and it's the same dream catcher that Neil has in his apartment that we saw in the premiere episode of season two. Huh. When he walks in, he's got this dream catcher to the left of his window, uh, looking out from the room. It's just to the left of the window. So he kept that. And... That's a very interesting thing because did you pay close attention to his face when Emma was describing what a dream catcher was? It almost seemed like he might be suffering from bad dreams, hmm. nightmares. That would be interesting, I guess. Because, him, as a, him and half the cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that main nightmare near the end of this episode of our podcast. I mean, but, uh, he called it flypaper for nightmares. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> I was yeah. wondering. I was like, wait, where did the flypaper come in? I didn't see any flypaper. <laughs> so I I wonder, does this give a clue to who he might be beyond? Uh, he could either be just a person or he could be someone special with a fairy tale past or maybe he's Bay. Well, when we finished watching it, I thought, okay, he's just somebody mm-hmm. but even as we talked about it sunday night i started thinking that it was more likely that he is bay just because as we said he was almost too easily convinced by august well and and well like he has to have some history with it yeah well we'll get more into that in a little bit too because there there is a lot to talk about there but this yeah this dream catcher thing could well, be a clue could be could just be that dreams are starting to be involved yeah. and then again um if he's peter pan or something like that then you consider that in the peter pan story there were these lost boys and indians on the island and one of the indians that peter pan liked or there was an indian girl that peter pan liked tiger lily mm-hmm. <laughs> so i i don't know i'm not going to necessarily lean on the lean toward the Peter Pan theory. I'm still kind of looking around at theories. But uh, that wanted poster, that uh, an FBI wanted poster in the post office about Neil, 
I took some screenshots of this and I'll have these screenshots that in any of these links and screenshots that we mentioned will be in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 62. It says he was born on March 23rd, 1997 in the state of New Jersey. He's 77. Is that what I said? 97. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 77. Yeah. Um, He was five foot nine, 170 pounds. There's a number on there. W. Now listen to these numbers in this W23839209309. A couple lost numbers in there, but that might not be anything significant. I don't know what that number is, but he was a janitor at a jewelry store. He has black hair, brown eyes. A scar on his left arm from a knife wound. That's what the poster says. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Scar on his left arm from a knife wound. And the poster also warns that he may be in possession of stolen firearms. So speaking of the poster, why was he at the post office? I was wondering that too. Probably just to be able to receive mail. Everybody has mothers. He was probably sending his mom a card. (laughs) Maybe he has a P.O. box. And that's just how they try to make themselves look legitimate to people is they have a P.O. box. And um, that's what he uses as his mailing address. P.O. Hmm. boxes don't move, though. Yeah. And they do. Well, no, they've been in Portland this whole time. So that was in Portland, too. Yes. But he had said that they were moving around a lot. They were on the road a lot. Yeah. However, didn't Regina say to Emma that you've never been in one place more than two years? Yeah. So they could have been there for the two years. Well, except she referred to Tallahassee. Yeah. Mm. And (laughs) they talk so much about Tallahassee in this episode. We never actually see Tallahassee. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think it really makes sense. You remember in the premiere episode, the song that Neil was listening to when he was walking through New York was the song Charlie's Girl. And we talked about that in our episode about Broken, and I read the lyrics to that, and it says stuff like, watch out, she's going to turn you in, watch out for Charlie's girl. (laughs) Now the lyrics to that really connect well, because it's actually kind of flipped. She didn't turn him in, he turned her in. Mm -hmm. So, interesting little flip. August shows up, and please let me know if I'm skipping over anything you guys still want to cover on... uh, any of these well i don't understand i've seen it twice and i didn't understand their plan why was she going for the watches i never got she it she was going for the watches because he couldn't because they were looking for him and they wanted to cash in the watches and live in tallahassee okay so they, so they were, could buy fake gotcha. ids and swap pin numbers i yeah. kept feeling like they they talked about it in such a this is going to get us out of this situation well, okay, no, it wasn't so they could live in Tallahassee, because if they were still looking for him, they couldn't go there. So I think it was, if they were doing it for money, no, it was to were, go to Canada. No, no, they were they were going to use the money to change their IDs. Yeah, in the, ho- mm-hmm. in the hotel room, when they were talking about, hey, maybe we should just retire the Bonnie and Clyde Act. And uh, Neil said, where would we go? Neverland? And he kind of threw <laughs> that out there. Mm-hmm. It's funny or, that they said retire on 20,000, but I guess when you live in a yellow car, your mortgage is very, <laughs> very <laughs> yeah, actually, low, so. I got that mixed up who said what, but um, he pulls out that map that was there in the hotel room and she just points to Tallahassee and they decide that's the place they're going to go. Mm-hmm. That's their dream location. They're going to settle down and actually get a real home in Tallahassee. Right. But they threw that out. He threw that out when he figured out they were still looking for him because of the watches. He said he couldn't go there because he had to get out of the country. Well, because of the watches, 
uh, he said he referred to fencing the washes, mm-hmm. the watches, in order to get the cash. And then he said, then they referred to that could be enough to still go because he was saying, yeah. "I need to go to Canada." Yeah, I think that was what they said was expensive. Was both of them going there? Not okay. anyway. I because I just kept thinking that it sounded like they were trying to somehow get him exonerated, like return the watches, and that didn't make any sense to me. But that makes more sense. But well, they did mention just getting money, using the money to to buy new IDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that they the, so that nobody would be looking for them in Tallahassee. Yeah, well, I can't change their face much. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, and uh, when. Emma had gotten the watches from the train station and came in the car and they kissed and then he took the watches to go fence them. He did say, or they they said, one of them said, Tallahassee, here we come. Hmm. That's weird. Or something like that. So they were still planning to make it to Tallahassee now that they had the watches successfully because that's what he was worried about is I can't get these watches because they'll see me getting them and I'll get caught. But since right. she got the watches for him, now he's safer. Right. A little bit of a weird plan. Yeah. So d- when you saw the person trailing him, did you notice it was August? No. Did you have any suspicion it was August? When he jumped on the gu- when he jumped on Neil at the fence, that's when I figured it was August. Mm-hmm. At first I was thinking, oh, it's just a special police officer, a secret agent. I thought it was a crook. <laughs> and <laughs> or he a bounty saw hunter, him have- <laughs> like Emma. Yeah, I, I saw that. I thought that maybe he saw that he had watches, or it was just a, a criminal who wanted to rob him on the street. So he chases him down, and there's this thing with the box, and this box is the new big mystery because I everyone's think, talking about the, <laughs> the box. new old big mystery. Well, yeah, let's let's ask August about the box. Okay, your mysterious box. What's in it? It's awfully frustrating not knowing, isn't it? You really want to know what's inside it, don't you? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to make you wait. No. You're going to have to wait a long time. No! no. Watch me carry it around, <laughs> hauling it to strange and mysterious places. And with each passing moment, the mystery will become more tantalizing. Your imagination will inflame, but so will your frustration, never knowing, only guessing what could possibly be inside that box. (gasps) That's from season one. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought first off, but actually hearing it is even like more painful. (laughs) The way he describes it. It's so amazing. They did that. Then they didn't do that to us, and now they're still going to do it to us. Now, that was from the episode 7.15 a.m. in the Mm -hmm. first season. Mm -hmm. Do you remember... Sorry. Go ahead. Do you remember um, when I theorized that it was um, a drawing of the dagger? Mm Mm-hmm. It can't be that, because how would August know... To put that in the box, he didn't. He wouldn't have any idea that that was Bay. Maybe he Would did. He? Maybe. Well, maybe that's... he's been stalking a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this because there are several theories of what could be in the box. the The big theories I'll say are maybe it's the picture of the dagger. Maybe it's something magical, like maybe a fairy or Tinkerbell. Or we got one suggestion from I think it was Obi's girl that maybe it was a miniature portal, <gasps> or maybe it was the bean. Or something like that. No, um, it couldn't be the bean, because why would August have the bean? He came through right. a tree. Yeah. Um, another idea is, uh, I had this idea of maybe it's a picture uh, from the book of Emma and Neil, like from something in their past that 
only they would know about. And then they realize that August somehow knows or something or uh, a bunch of different ideas. of You know, it kind of makes me wonder, what did Pinocchio have with him when he came? Didn't he have a picture of the dagger? Well, what could he have had in his pockets? Yeah, when you're saying when Pinocchio as a kid came yeah, from fairytale land, maybe it was something he had in his pocket, and it was still magical or something. But if he I went mean, to that yeah. land, it would no longer be magical. He might have met people. There's a lot of story that we we missed. Um, Wait, what, went to what Phuket? You're saying? Uh, yeah, where he he you know fell and stopped going after oh, Emma yeah. and got distracted and. Well, that's after this Mm -hmm. that he goes to Phuket. It is? Yes, because in the end of the episode, Emma receives an envelope while in prison, and the lady, the Lorette, the (laughs) security guard, says, do you know anyone in... Or Loretta, (laughs) yeah. uh, Says, do you know anyone in Phuket? And it's from August. It's the stuff that Neil gets. So is that supposed to be, like, the original Disney place where he goes and turns into a donkey? Uh, no. See, that's where he has all of his adventures. Right. So the what Pinocchio he, story has already happened. Yeah. Right. That's what I meant. That story. This. So he could yeah. have met a lot of people because there's obviously magic involved. He saw there. his lemurs. <laughs> but <laughs> he did say at the end of this episode, he said he was. He said it's hard to say no to the temptations of this world, and he said right. I was built like that. So it's just something. It's just something he struggles with. This greed. This distraction this excuses uh, everything yeah don't like that <laughs> um, so let's talk about some ideas about what's in the box a few things now, jenny you were talking about why it couldn't have been the dagger yeah and i think i agree you know i was also theorizing that theorizing that it could be bay because it could be the dagger but now that i know that couldn't be the dagger because august wouldn't know that i'm starting to wonder who this stranger is but the one thing that does make me think that it could be bay is that Bay is the only one we know of in our world who knows about magical things. So what would be in that box that would that would um, persuade any normal human being that magic exists? <laughs> Unless, well, three ideas of who Neil is. He's either Bay, he's nobody, uh, just a normal human that's caught in the crossfire, as August put it, or he's some other fairy tale character. Ooh, Stephanie in the chat room just said something cool. She said maybe it's a picture of Rumpelstiltskin. Hmm. Yeah, or because he would have known what Rumpelstiltskin looked like. Yeah, maybe. Um, here, well, here's the thing: if it's another fairy tale character, we have to come up with yet another backstory that explains a character getting to our yeah. world. Yeah, and it starts to get a little bit like, well, who didn't come over to our world somehow? Yeah. If it's it, it could be he could just be a normal guy. But as far as being Bay goes, we don't know what August has researched, what he's found out, if his life is basically stalking people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, particularly we, we had connected. no idea that he was stalking Emma. Right. So you're right. Two years. And yeah. later, somebody pointed out in, I, I think, an email, I'm sorry, I forget who, that in order, we've always thought that August knew an awful lot about Bay. And that he must have had contact <laughs> with him at some point in order to know what to call gold in order to know anything about bay and rumple and mm-hmm. in order to be able to impersonate bay enough to full rumple mm-hmm. he had to have talked to him at some point and this is starting to look like that and if it's not that i don't know i feel like those things still have to happen so i don't know where they're going to happen if that's not right now in the episode the stranger 
um, when Rumpelstiltskin and August met for that first time. Rumpel asks, or Mr. Gold asks August how he knew about the dagger. And August said, a little bird told me. (laughs) So that could be something to do with maybe Neil. If Neil is Bay or has any connection there, maybe he told August after this about the dagger. But I really think there's nothing in Neil's personality that communicates or his reactions that (laughs) communicates that he could be Bay. Because if August had a picture of the dagger or anything related to Rumpelstiltskin or Bay, and if Neil was Bay, then I would have expected a different reaction from him. Hmm. Something like, how did you know about this? Maybe. Or is my dad still alive? Or <laughs> something like that. Except I'm, he's just being guarded, maybe. Could be, yeah. I was reading up in some things, and I came across a faux pas from fanfiction.net. Um, he, he just was writing his own little interpretation of the scene, so August says, do you believe in magic? Neil says, I take it you do. Then August says, I'm going to show you something, something that's going to make you look at everything differently. And when you see what I have in here, you're going to listen. You're going to believe every word I say. And then he says, yeah, right. Which I'm not sure if I really believe Neil at that, that point. But this is where uh, Fopa writes. And I have this here. He refers back to something from season one and says, every, uh, even mutes can draw a picture. A sing-song voice mm. echoed in his memory, and Neil had to fight to keep the, the bile from spewing forth like something <laughs> out of a bad horror film. Oh, I missed that part. <laughs> Sorry, <great>. guys. <laughs> he says, a single piece of paper in it wasn't threatening in the least, or it wouldn't have to, or it wouldn't have to anyone else. They would have just seen a single drawing, but Neil knew differently. It was a calling card, a haunting vision from a world he has tried so hard to put behind him. But now, as he read the single name scrawled across the blade, he knew that life had caught up with him and history was about to repeat itself. So, I, And that's when he says, okay, I'm listening. It, I know that's just interpretation, yeah. but the idea of... I really liked how he related back to the even mutes can draw a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really think it's probably the dagger. That's what I thought before I read any forums or anything like that. It just seemed to make sense. Even though I don't like him as a personality for Bay, it's the last thing I think any of us thought of, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, and yet you could also look very carefully at the screenshots and I'll have these in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 62. When August opens the book, you can just, I mean the box, you can just barely see the outline of the typewriter. Hmm? So mm-hmm. he typed the picture of the blade. <laughs> <laughs> it could be something was sitting on top of the typewriter. Yeah. And he was just keeping it there for safekeeping, but it definitely looks like the outline. It's faint and you really have to zoom in, but I'll have this in the show notes. But you can definitely see the typewriter is in that box. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only thing. Or what if the typewriter is magical? Hmm. Maybe. Or I had this theory. Maybe August has somehow gotten the power of persuasion. Because he was like, you are going to believe me. You're going to believe every word I say. (laughs) Which would make him pretty frustrated if it didn't work on Emma. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a crackpot theory. What if, kind of ridiculous. Well, what <laughs> if the typewriter is that? What if the typewriter somehow has the ability to convince non-magical characters of 
the existence of magic. That, well, that could explain why it wouldn't work on Emma. That makes that makes you wonder where did this magical typewriter come from? Yeah, it's an old looking typewriter. She mentioned him not being able to take a piece of paper through the through the uh, portal, but what he if couldn't he, take a typewriter? What if he took <laughs> his tools with him and somehow learned how to build a typewriter with his magical? Mm. Tools? It would have been out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as far as what Bay would be like, if you imagine a boy of that age appearing in our world and nobody taking him in. Maybe he's just living on the streets much the way Neil does now. If he's been doing that his entire life in this world, he might be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. A little rough around the edges. Yeah, it's it's hard to really tell because I'm I'm thinking through, okay, if it's this character, then would he actually react this way? And I really can't see evidence that he's bay if he doesn't from his reactions unless he just doesn't trust august yeah dixie in the chat room says if august was so persuasive why didn't emma see his wooden leg um see emma when she had the opportunity to see something she was still masked by her disbelief well she's right. magical she's well, magical too but i still think if it was a normal human being and they were to be they were to see something magical that they would perceive it as something not and perceive it as something that they can relate to. Like this is barrier from people in our world from seeing sort of like <laughs> Percy Jackson series, hmm. um, the lightning thief, things like that, where people see things differently through the, the mist. Um, sort of like that. It seems like Emma being a normal, I mean, she, I guess she is magical too, but she had she to believe magic. in order mm-hmm. to actually see something like that. Yeah. And um, um, a fun comment just popped up in the chat room by Goldie. She said, what if the typewriter was typing their conversation? <laughs> uh, you probably would have heard it. <laughs> now, we got an email in from the Ruby fanatic that says, um, whatever was shown to Neil was immediate proof of magic. Keep that in mind, because that's really important to consider with any theory that we come up with. But her theory is, uh, I don't think the book would have convinced him. It would have to be something small and would be incontrovertible my best guess is that he had tinkerbell with him and she lists a couple things that she thinks are proof tink is small and anybody seeing a living fairy would have to face the fact that magic is real tink is also shown by the nature of her fairy tale to be able to enter the normal human world thus she may be the only magical creature who can exist in our mundane world without dying or losing her their magic I think this is an interesting idea anyway, and could indicate a very interesting twist to the curse from the Ruby fanatic. A problem I have with this is Tinkerbell would glow, and there was no glow <laughs> yeah. coming from the typewriter. She could, like, give magic. Yeah, but realistically, she she very well could not glow, like in our, our world. I Just mean, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if she didn't glow. This sounds like the heart conversation all over again. <laughs> Does it glow in our world Does it or glow? does it not glow? <laughs> does it glow when it's... A, Whatever. I, I will agree partially that one option is that it had to be something that was incontrovertible proof that magic exists. The other possibility is the other thing we've been talking about that he already knows and it was incontrovertible proof that this man, August, also mm. knows the same things that he already knows, that Neil already knows. Right. And Neil never said he didn't believe in magic. Exactly. Uh, we got a suggestion from Fee that maybe it was the written story of Rumpelstiltskin, Rulegorm, 
and um, Bellfire that only Bellfire would know what that conversation was. He's a fast reader. But yeah, yeah and also be able to read sideways, maybe, <laughs> if that was the typewriter still in the box. Uh, we got this funny email, though, from um, someone here that said, uh, hi, guys, I just want I just had to share that after watching this show, I woke up in the middle of the night asking, what was in the box? (laughs) And why was I just dreaming about burning curtains? (laughs) I was tempted to rewatch the show just to see if they showed it and missed it, but ended up falling back asleep. Just wanted to share that that with you. Oh, and I didn't light a candle. Love the podcast. (laughs) Bummer. Don't forget to light your candle. <laughs> I like my candles now. Yeah. It, it helps absorb the bad dreams. Fly paper. Yeah. We have a candle lit in this in the right next to us right now. That's true. That's to help absorb the bad dreams. Which so. is why when I fell asleep while we were rewatching, I slept so soundly. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that was from <laughs> that was from uh, Surrey. And by I the way, Jeremy really did fall asleep while rewatching. <laughs> the candle was not Sorry. lit during the episode. Oh, that's right. Wow, I was in we danger. We blew it out. Anyway. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I know there are a lot of theories about what could be in the box, and we've got a lot of theories over in the forums. So jump over to oncepodcast.com slash forums, and you can chat with other Once uh, <laughs> listeners and um, fans over there about it. Now I feel like Jefferson, only I'm asking, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Now we see... Who's um, Neil? Who's Neil? <laughs> Neil's a box. Wait, what? So he makes this decision to let Emma go. And in fact, he turns Emma in, re- tip, gives the police a tip, and the police pick her up a couple hours later. He goes on to Canada. Why did he agree to that plan? <laughs> because how, how he loves only, her. But, but how was jail for Emma the only way? Well, see, something that August showed him, convinced Neil to listen to August's story that then August told, which we don't hear him tell the story. And that story was convincing enough that Neil decided, yes, I need to do this. I love her. I'll let her go for now. But when this is over, I can have her back again. But she needs to do this. Yeah. And he knew what would happen whenever he said, when everything's over. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like he had, that had been explained as well because they did refer to it. So we see again the little flower tattoo on Emma's left wrist, and there could be a backstory to that because mm-hmm. this is 11 years ago and she had that t- tattoo. So maybe there's something uh, even more to that tattoo. The fact that they showed it much more prominently here, just a little simple flower tattoo. But two months later, Neil is in Vancouver, and interesting little thing, that is actually Vancouver in the background. It's usually cities... Movies are often and TV shows are often filmed in Canada near Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when you see cities, it's actually Vancouver. But this is actually one time where when they're showing when they're saying Vancouver, it is actually (laughs) Vancouver. But uh, this is two months after this incident. So maybe four months or six months total in their relationship. But at one point it did still say 11 years ago uh, when it showed the picture of Emma or the video of Emma in jail. So this is two months after Emma was caught. And I really think you can see in August's eyes, the greed, the, wow, that's a lot of money I could use. Kind of look in his eyes when Neil pulls out that money. Mm-hmm. About $20,000 or 10000 or it's a lot of money. And uh, you could just see it in his eyes. But this whole thing that 
Emma gets 11 months in prison, and this is supposed to help her detach from Neil so that she can focus on doing what she needs to do. I think that's why they had to split up and why she had to go to jail is to get that complete detachment from Neil so that she doesn't try to look for him, doesn't try to go after him. Mm -hmm. Even though it was a terrible, painful thing, I think that's why. By the way, you mentioned you thought um, August was saying, wow, that's a lot of money. The thought that went through my head was, wow, this is illegal. I wonder if my nose is going to grow type of thing. Like, (laughs) not like necessary nose growing, but... It seemed like a look of concern whether he was going to get mm. caught. That's what I sort of pictured. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Michelle had asked us, um, had written several things, but basically wondered, is Neil Emma's true love? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think that they are truly in love. I mean, the guy is waiting for Emma mm-hmm. 11 years mm-hmm. And he's still waiting for her. She hasn't changed a bit. (laughs) Right? As Kate is mentioning in the chat room, apparently Emma went to Tallahassee for two years after this. Maybe she was waiting for him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why. And that goes back to when Regina said, what was it about Tallahassee? Mm -hmm. Because that's the longest time she's ever been in one place. Mm -hmm. So that was her waiting for Neil, I think. And trying to make prepare a home maybe or just get her life straight and wait for him i think it would be fun if he were just an ordinary person because (laughs) they're all going to end up in you know fairy tale land i'm sure of it and it would just be so funny to see like two normal people (laughs) in fairy tale land emma and neil well remember a couple episodes yeah remember a couple episodes ago I theorize that maybe what they need to do to break this new curse that's keeping them in Storybrooke is that someone from outside Storybrooke needs to kiss their true love inside Storybrooke. <laughs> We've got that scenario now that Neil could be. I- I'm thinking he is just a normal person that's caught in the crossfire, as August put it. Because otherwise, August would not have said he's caught in the crossfire. August would have said something like, you're invested in this too because you're this character and all of this. But that is something that I had thought at one point and then forgot if he's Bay and he wasn't looking for Emma on purpose, which I guess we don't know that he wasn't, but if he wasn't, that would be way too much coincidence mm-hmm. for these two people with connections to fairy tale land to just find each other. Yeah. Without I think help. I think it's a, would, would be a big coincidence mm-hmm. if it was Bay and if Emma and Bay ended up together. Yeah. However, just, Rumpelstiltskin grabbing Henry to bring to Regina was what we thought a odd coincidence at first too. Maybe somebody made that happen. So, but maybe that would, August, well, right? And <laughs> that is true. But it could make a lot of sense once again why you know Rumpel was trying to bring Bay in by taking his son. But I don't know. Maybe. Bay wouldn't maybe, have known it was his son. Maybe Rumpelstiltskin sought out Henry, knowing that Henry was Emma's. But here's, yeah. Because he can see the future, and he knew that he needed to get Emma into Storybrooke in order to break the curse. But Rumpel wasn't awake yet mm -hmm. back then. Yeah, but. Yeah, Rumpel didn't wake up until he met Emma. He was Mr. Gold up until that point, until he met Emma. So what I'm thinking is. Maybe he wrote something into the curse uh, that would help him to remember 
get this person into Storybrooke. Maybe, or somehow, like I mentioned in the initial reactions, maybe August has been monitoring Storybrooke, and August was the one to find Henry for Rumpelstiltskin for Mr. Gold to give to Regina because August knew this will be a great way to get Emma back into Storybrooke. And here's something to consider. Back in that same episode that I played the clip from uh, 7.15 a.m. back in season one, when Emma was confronting August, Emma said something like, so you've been here before. And he said, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. He never confirmed that he's never been to Storybrooke. So maybe August has been to Storybrooke, other than the fact that they showed up from the tree just outside of Storybrooke, but maybe he has been inside Storybrooke before, and maybe that was to bring Henry, and maybe, oh, okay, theory's building here, maybe <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold didn't recognize him because Mr. Gold was pretty much frozen in time, not knowing or not remembering day-to-day things because he was still Mr. Gold until Emma showed up, and then he has no memory that August has been there before. If August did that, that also explains that why originally I, we were all confused why um, August and Henry were spending so much time together and why August was showing so much attention um, and interest in Henry. Because mm-hmm. if he brought him as a young child or a baby, he'd like to see, oh, this is, you know, he's grown up, he's gotten better. Remember that motorcycle scene yeah. where they're discussing and we all thought, oh, he's Bay. <laughs> so that would explain that part too. Yeah. I still think we're going to see some storybook flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's There are a lot of stories left to tell um, about Storybrooke and even some stories left to tell in outside of Storybrooke, but in our world between mm-hmm. what happens here and what happens in the future. Like, how does Neil pull his life together and become whatever he is? He looks successful in yeah. New York mm-hmm. City. How do he get there? What do he do? What is his position? The writers, uh, Kitsis and Horowitz, have kind of hinted that there's an important story there. They mentioned that in the official podcast this week. Um, that there's some story there to tell. And like, what did Emma do in all of these years? How did she come become the way she is? But uh, she's definitely kept this keychain. That So so moving back to this, at that uh, last scene there in Portland or Vancouver, Neil gives August the money and the keychain with the keys to the car and says the car is now clean, basically. And so then August sends just the keys with that keychain to Emma while she's in jail, sends it from Phuket. So that's definitely from August while he's then off living his Pleasure Island dreams with all of this money that he lemurs. has to spend yeah, pursuing his lemurs. lemurs. <laughs> so, uh, But Emma is really his lemur. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's Red's lemur. Well, yes. <laughs> so I think we're going to see a romance come back between Emma and Neil. And, and that'll be neat. It's possible that Neil knew about Henry. Like it's very possible because it's possible that he was hmm. kind of stalking Emma. Well, and August- he might've like been a part in helping um, Henry get to Storybrooke. Like he might've been helping August all this time. Maybe, but August said, because the quicker, that the curse is broken, and the quicker that Emma gets into Storybrooke, the faster that they can be together again. But August said that he put things in place or did things so that Neil could not check up on her. Oh. Hmm. So, yeah, 
August wants Neil to be completely away from her. And he said, he did say, and this does, does confirm exactly who sent the postcard. One more thing. If anything changes, and she does her job, this insanity ends, she's free. I'll send you a postcard. Yep. And again, his mentioning calling all of this this insanity makes me think that he is someone not involved with fairy tale characters. He's not Bay. He's just a normal guy mm, wow. that has a significant part in Emma's life. Unless his father has gone further than he ever expected. Well, yeah, I and mean, that could be too. Yeah, even if you know about magic, I think it was a bit of insanity to everybody. Yeah. It's okay, Daniel. You know, I'm gonna argue with you and you'll be right in the end anyway so i I don't know this is one where i mean listen to our initial reactions episode at oncepodcast.com slash 61 and i said oh i think this is definite proof he's bay no i'm saying i really think he's not bay and so good you can be right either way well i think (laughs) my latest theory i think he's not bay i think he's just a normal guy that's caught in the crossfire um, anything else about what we've seen this past story of Emma and Neil and all of that before we move on to present day fairy tale land? Mm. Okay. So in present day fairy tale land, uh, that's what the writers are calling it. That's what we're calling it too. And I think that was on the screen one time too, that said present day, not the fairy tale land part, but um, <laughs> they talked about the beans and Hook and Mulan know the story of the giants and said that, well, Emma's story that she related from childhood was very charming, but that's not the actual truth. The truth was the giants used the beans to plunder all the lands, plural, Mm -hmm. and the beans are portals. So I think it'd be very simple then for a giant to use a bean as a portal to get to a land uh, this giant shows up and suddenly starts taking all this gold and then just jump back through the bean back to their safe place. Makes perfect sense that then the giants are these terrors in the land. Yeah, but then but then the giant set, tells the story the other way around. And I, I believe the giant. Yes. I think the giants are the victims. Isn't it, wouldn't it be very tiny gold that they were selling or stealing from everybody? <laughs> Maybe they melted it down into bigger gold because when you see the giant's treasury room, there are some gigantic uh-huh. gold blocks there. They are bigger than a person, but they're shaped like a regular little gold block. But they're they're huge. But giants gotta have currency too. <laughs> I think that uh, Hook and Mulan were telling the truth as they knew it. That mm-hmm. was the story they knew, so yeah. they weren't lying. Favorite line of the entire episode was Mulan looking at the beanstalk. It reminds me of death. <laughs> That's comforting. Reminds me of death. <laughs> yeah. And we hear, again, I think a truthful statement about where Hook's allegiance is. How do we know you're not just using us to get the compass for Korra? Because you four are far safer company. All I need is a ride back. I swear allegiance to whomever gets me there first. He's a pirate. That's mm-hmm. such a pirate thing to say. I agree. And I feel like he's been on this quest longer than he's known Korra. Mm. Yeah, because he's, on... he's been trying to get back to Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. And she was the one that provided the answer. And he's been in Neverland plotting his revenge as he said he was going to. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Hook, I loved it when he said TikTok. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a crocodile reference from, you know, the original, not the original, but 
the Disney version. And in the in the um episode called Crocodile, mm-hmm. um yeah, right. Stiltskin also says TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah. One thing that I thought was strange was um how is it that Cora trusted Hook with these special counter spells? Both of them. Why did Cora trust Hook with those? Something still feels a little wrong just because we haven't seen or heard from Cora in so long. And that wasn't supposed to rhyme. But I'm not sure why like where is Cora? Do we know? Have I forgotten? I I, I think last episode we were thinking maybe she was at the top of the beanstalk waiting for them. Right. We figured she was on ahead and he was leading them into a trap. But since that's probably not true, well, at least it wasn't true at that point. I think Hook's telling the truth. I think his allegiance isn't with, I don't, I don't think he's as evil as, as Korra by far. I think he's not leading them to Korra. I think he really does just want to ride with whoever he Mm -hmm. can get with. I think so. I think Korra gave him both of those bracelets because Cora wanted Mulan, Emma, or Snow, or one of them to go up the beanstalk oh. with him and help him yeah. get the compass. Why and would bring she it back. risk her life right. with a giant? Right, That's exactly. Mulan's sword, did you catch what she said about it? It's mm-hmm. really strong. It's the <laughs> most powerful blade in all the realms. <gasps> Makes me think of Sword in the Stone. Yeah. And when she hit the beanstalk, it kind of had the opposite of. True love's kiss mm-hmm. effect. Well, that was it was the, like it was like an anti. It was like a, a true hates sword to beanstalk kiss, and then it <laughs> radiated out. Well, remember the the beanstalks enchanted, so that's mm-hmm. what we saw. Yeah, I know it was just so weird. Like, oh, look, that's what magic looks like. I yep. really love the part when Emma hangs the bag on Hook's hook. <laughs> it's like, here we go. Make yourself useful. You make yourself useful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and another thing about my thoughts about Hook and his questing is, from what he said to Emma, is this not his first beanstalk? He's a Mm. pirate. There's a lot of treasure up there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe he's been looking for this compass for a really long time. Maybe so. So you think he's stolen beans before and portal jumped? Well, he had the bean that got him to Neverland. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how he got from That's Neverland right. back to so that present day. Being could have been stolen from one of the giants. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. most uh, it's it's tough now because remember, Blue Fairy said the beans got away from us, but the giants were the ones who made the beans. So did the well, they fairies? Went to the sky that's sort of away from them. <laughs> did the fairies maybe okay. steal the beans from the giants, or maybe the beans, the fairies, just somehow acquired the beans? I was just thinking or of that. Maybe they were just partners in this. I always thought the fairies were evil. <laughs> well, well, consider this: um, the story about the giants plundering all the lands is not true, mm. because the giants said later that the victor gets to tell the story. And the story about the battle and all of that. And it was actually people came up and plundered the giants. Well, how about this? He said the giants think or the giant thinks that all humans are killers. That's Mm -hmm. not true, but some are. So maybe not all the giants were thieves and plunderers, but some were. And so it prompted the fighting. Yeah, There was a 
dead giant skeleton up there yes. by the beanstalk. So. Because where they came up was where the last battle was. That's what mm. they refer to. And then Jack's <laughs> dead body with his labeled sword. Now, <laughs> if I'm this giant and everybody, there's been this battle and everybody's died, I'm probably not going to just leave the bodies to rot where they are and then just leave their bones. Yeah. What a great, <laughs> I live alone and I'm just going to keep these bones around as company. Mm. That's Why weird. Not? He's a giant. That's well, lonely. Well, so... Um, <laughs> I think it could have been that the giants might have made the beans for the fairies in the past and supplied the fairies with the beans. But then this battle happened a long time ago that cut off the bean supply. And that's why the fairies <laughs> said supply. that um, we, no our, beans, beans. Yeah, our beans have gotten away from us. Could that's be. a cool theory. Would have made a fantastic cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Portal coffee. Tiny fairies and huge giants. I just think that's a fun relationship. Coffee's so good, that's you'll awesome. feel like you're in Neverland. <laughs> They'd have to be careful if the giant took a deep breath through the nose or the mouth. I, just I think I just enough. inhaled a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> like mosquitoes in giant land. Maybe they made themselves bigger a little uh, bit, yeah. like humans. <laughs> Well, I, I thought like, maybe the reason why the money's so big is because when they go through the portal, they shrink to our size. And when they take the money back, the money gets big like them. Uh, That's possible. Oh, do you know how, how fairies can get, you know, our size? Uh-huh. Maybe they can get, you know, giant size, too, because they're magical. You know, Whoa. kids in Horowitz are probably listening to us and be like, thank you, guys, because we had no clue how this worked. So your solutions are probably going to be written into the story. Kids in Horowitz, please... Have the giant say, "Dude, dude, yes, <laughs> no, don't," dude. or have him call into the podcast. <laughs> he can do that. But uh, I like how Hook said that giants can smell blood. I you know where that comes that from? Too. Fee-fi-fo-fum. I wanted him to I say, "I smell the that. blood of an English." I wanted to know. I wanted to know what fee fi fo fum means. I want to know its history. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. He didn't really say it, but like as soon as he heard the noise, he was like, <laughs> "Like who well, responds yeah. like that?" Well, I do, <laughs> but you know, Hook didn't seem very surprised by anything that they found. Yeah, up there, but he he already knew all about the battle. I guess he knows the story, but even when they found Jack, he was just like, "That would be Jack." And He's a laid-back pirate. I guess so, but it felt like he maybe had been there before to that specific place, or at least maybe he was there when the fighting was happening. It's very possible. Maybe mm. he maybe he was there when Jack died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he just looked around and realized, yeah, this is the place I heard about where it all yeah. ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. The victor tells the tale, which apparently Jack was not the victor. <laughs> Do you think apparently we'll see a story not. about Jack? Maybe. I think it would be a very old story. If this idea of the giants making the beans for the fairies is true, I think the Jack and the Beanstalk story is a very old one. Maybe it's Jacqueline and she was a fairy. (laughs) (laughs) Why in the world would the giant keep a little poisonous sword lying around? (laughs) Maybe he would step on it at some point. Why wouldn't he pick that up? Why tell her it's poison? She didn't know that. Oh, he didn't tell her. He just reacted. He was wincing. uh, Don't don't do that. I'm guess she said, I'm guessing this sword is poison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe he's just been in depression and doesn't <laughs> clean up. I mean, after all, Hook did say, or one of, it was either Hook or Emma, I guess it was Emma, said, what about um, giant housekeeping maids or giant maids or something like that? But you that. saw him walking and he knocked down all the coins. So he, either he stocked <laughs> them up all the time. I, wonder, I know, that's what I was thinking. I wonder how many years he's been alone. Mm. Like he could have very yeah. well been a oh, child. Aww. Like a child giant. 
when all yeah. that happened. He could have been to the giant world well, what Bay is to our world. <laughs> Hook described this last giant as the fiercest of them all. Yeah. Well, that's just Hearsay. legend. The other ones must have been really nice. <laughs> now, by the way, there's a nice little Lost reference in all of this. Jorge Garcia, I mean, besides that fact, Jorge Garcia played Hurley in Lost. But in Lost, wasn't Hugo the giant one of Sawyer's names for Hurley? I think it was. Uh, I don't um, we received that as an email from Calvin had suggested that was. And I think I do remember hearing Sawyer give that nickname to Hurley. So that's a great little lost reference there. Um, the, the giant described this battle that took place and Emma could tell that he was telling the truth. And here's oh. his description. I know you're kind. They massacred us and destroyed our beans. I heard it the other way. It's because the victors get to tell the story. I'd forgotten about Emma's superpower. Mm. The ability to travel from world to world is definitely something that greedy people would want Mm -hmm. to massacre for. So I can understand. And she, Emma had even said um, something. She could tell he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so he helped her out because of all of that. That was that was really cool then to see. And she later said, I have a friend watching Hook. And referring right. to the I dinner. like that they've made an alliance there. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Any of you find it odd that uh, they're so concerned about the beans when they had enchanted trees that could do the same thing? To the, travel from world well, to world? Well, the tree that they used for Pinocchio and Emma was the last enchanted tree. At that time, though, wasn't it? Enchanted trees yeah. look the same as other trees. Beans, magic beans, all <laughs> look the same, and they know exactly where they are. So the, probably that's what I'm the enchanted trees probably don't just grow back. If that's mm. what you're suggesting, yeah, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I we want know an enchanted orchard. It seems like the ashes <laughs> from this enchanted wardrobe are going to be used, but that's why they needed the compass in the first place. Yeah, the compass, which is more beautiful than Hook imagined. <laughs> And how long has he been imagining this? That's <laughs> the other. That was the main thing that made me wonder. This yeah. is more to him than just something he figured out last week. But Emma trusts him because she even said she can tell that he's not lying. But she said, I can't take the chance. That's why she still locked him up just so she could have a head start. She can't take the chance. Right. She doesn't trust herself because she thinks that. She misjudged. Yeah, her, her son is in state at stake here, so she she needs to make sure that she makes the right decision. And back on the ground, um, Aurora uh, has this dream, which we'll talk more about the dream in a moment. And um, Snow, but Mulan is the the true soldier in this, being willing to cut down the tree as Emma ordered, mm-hmm. and. I think that because Emma ordered that, it looked like Mulan suddenly had respect for Emma. Yeah. Like realizing, wow, you are also a soldier. <laughs> you are willing to sacrifice yourself for us. You have my respect. Oh, by the way, a connection, odd connection between Mulan and the giants, oddly enough, are did you notice the two statues outside of the giants' um, oh, main door? Yes, but I didn't make that connection. They were called. Um, uh, terracotta, terracotta warriors from Mon- Mongolia, and they're oh, guarding the giant's castle, and they're very similar to Mulan's attire. Now, speaking of them, are they why it seemed like 
he was bigger than Emma and Hook expected? Yeah. Or were they just going by the doorway or... Uh, both, I think, because of those statues there. And when the giant came out the doorway, he had to it duck died. under it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first time I watched it, I, she reacted the way she did. And I thought, mm-hmm. he's a giant. What were you expecting? But <laughs> I guess if you thought the giant statues were his size, then... Yeah. And that's, that's why Hook then improvised and had to run around to get the giant to bend over... Mm-hmm. So that he would be on eye level with mm-hmm. Emma so she could throw the stuff Which, at him. The when poppies. she threw that stuff at him and mm-hmm. he went down, if a giant with giant lungs would get knocked out from that, then a little sniff of the air after that <laughs> would be intoxicating <laughs> for any human. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. They're all passed out <laughs> maybe, together. Maybe he just sucked it all in. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> with lungs that big. It's magic, so it only hit its target. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's funny. So... Anything else about present fairy tale, present day fairy tale land? Before we talk about the dream, that's we're going to talk about that next. But anything else before we move on? Okay, no, so I want to talk about this dream. There's some great discussion. This dream, by yes. the way, Aurora. She describes it so much, like in so much more detail than Henry does. Well, it's a typical true. girl thing. Let me play <laughs> this for you. Here's what I did. I went through. I got both Henry's recording, Henry's uh, description of the dream, and Aurora's description, and I pieced these together for us. So you're going to hear one bit after the other. So listen to this full description from both of them of the dream. It was horrible. It was the same as last time. I just had the worst nightmare. I was in this room, this this red room. It was bright blood red curtains. I was in this room and it was red. There was no windows or doors so it didn't make sense and I couldn't get in or out. I was trapped. And there was no doors, no windows. The curtains, they were on fire. It was horrible. And these curtains, they were on fire. I was hunched in a corner and I looked over into the other corner. I was in this corner and, 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 and I was looking out. And in the shadows, there was someone else there. And there was someone else there. I could just see his eyes. He was looking right at me. She was staring at me through the flames. That was really creepy. <laughs> Super creepy. That, uh, hearing that, that that makes me excited to think that possibly they were on opposite sides of the room looking at each other. That's what I think. Someone said, oh, they're looking at Cora, but Henry says she was looking and Aurora says he was looking. Yeah. Yeah. And they both said there was no windows or doors. Why didn't they say were? <laughs> it's a bad grammar dream. <laughs> funny well so a lot of people have theorized that there's this connection with cora but i really don't see why what did cora have to do with the sleeping curse the the nightmares are the result of the sleeping curse cora had nothing to do with the sleeping curse maleficent did you know the only difference between their two descriptions were um aurora saw a guy in the shadows and henry saw a girl mm-hmm. behind flames. Mm. Yeah, and and opposite corners. Opposite corners. Yeah. They both describe themselves of, as being in a corner and seeing someone on the other side. What's up with with curtains and with a room with no windows or doors? You know, that really doesn't make sense. Um, that Dan, do you know the name of the? Were you about to mention it? There was a movie or a TV show. Uh, I I can't find it on my notes, but there was something that had a scene very similar to this. A kind of freaky. 
um, thing that I'm hoping the chat room can correct me on this, but it had red curtains, no windows, no doors in this special room in some movie, but uh, like, Twin Peak. Thank you, oh. chat room. Uh, that was Rumpel's girl. Twin Peaks pointed that out. Um, I haven't seen that, uh, so I can't really speak. I, I was going to try to see it before um, during this podcast, but time just didn't allow. But yeah, Twin Peaks, that there's this room very similar to this. So that could be their idea about this. But I think they're seeing each other. Hmm. I think that would be cool. And when Aurora described the dream to Snow, Snow said, the nightmares will fade. Trust me. I think Snow is telling the truth. She did seem to look, well, she did look away right after she said that as if she's kind of trying to dismiss it, but I think she's telling the truth. And I think this is giving us a key. Now, here's my overall theory. I want to see what you guys think, and I want to hear your theories too. My theory is they are seeing each other. Aurora is seeing Henry and vice versa. And that happens for anyone who has been cursed by the apple and has these nightmares afterward and is sleeping at the same time they see each other so but why? this is why would they be so scared because of uh it's a scary thing that they're in this room with fire and it's it's just scary that's a result of it's a nightmare as a result of this curse the sleeping curse that could be just part of the sleeping curse is that your dreams are nightmares but what's the point for the plot of doing that okay here's my idea i think henry and aurora will be able to communicate okay that's across worlds and with snow saying the dream the nightmares will fade I think that's saying there's a time limit now. They have to do this quickly. And maybe if they try to do it, they're going to get cut off. They're going to run out of time and not be able to get the rest of an important message across to the <laughs> yeah, other Yeah, but person. how would she know? Because she... W- would she have been able to communicate to somebody else who had who had um, sleeping curse dreams? Well, here's one idea. Uh, looking at it from Aurora's perspective, here's one idea is that maybe when... She has this dream again. She describes it, and maybe Emma is nearby and asks questions, and Aurora has noticed more details and starts to describe the person, and Emma suddenly thinks, that sounds just like Henry. Henry ate the apple. Are you having the same dream that Henry's had? Are you seeing Henry? Or even, except that for the fading thing, maybe Snow will have it too at the same time as Aurora, and they'll both see the same thing. And maybe start to figure it out. Maybe Snow mm. is still having the dreams, only she's used to it, perhaps. She said they'll fade away, trust me, which sounds like maybe she had the dream, and since she was the only one sleeping from the, uh, as having the nightmares as a result of the curse, maybe there was no one else for her to see. Because she almost seemed like she recognized the dream up until that point where Aurora there. mentioned someone else was there. So that could be the new part of this dream to Snow White, but Snow White might not be having the dream anymore. So I think if anyone's going to recognize that this could be a way for them to communicate, it might be Aurora and Emma talking about the dream because Henry wouldn't recognize Aurora. So Henry might not have a reason to suspect that this dream could be either a portal, an actual portal, which I kind of doubt, but maybe more just a way that they can communicate with each other, albeit a very scary way. Yeah. So Mary Margaret's going to have to convince Aurora to try to reach out to Henry. 
yeah. and say something within the dream for Henry to realize this person knows him. See, yeah. I actually, I like that. And I think that is true with the communication um, because of the key words there where Henry was in the shadows, but Henry saw her through the flames. And I was trying to think of what the flames were. Yeah. And she seemed to see a lot more red than Henry did, too. Did Henry mention any red? Yeah, he mentioned red. There red, was a okay. red room. Um, I almost wondered, too, if it was like a prediction. I like the communication idea, too, but I was almost thinking if Aurora was going to die mm. because of the flames and maybe the curtains were something she was wrapped in instead because the fact that Henry's looking towards her, he's in this darkness and there's this enclosed room, but he's still in shadow even though it's enclosed, but she's in flame almost as if um, something's going to happen to her and this is like a future event. Mm. Wouldn't it be cool if Jefferson could get there with his hat? Oh, (laughs) cool. I don't know. But see, the actual people aren't in this room. Just their consciences are. Consciences? Consciousness. So so Henry's mind and Aurora's mind are in this room, in the same place between worlds. So I don't think it could necessarily be a portal, but maybe a line of communication. In mm-hmm. our initial reactions, I know I said it could be a portal, but now the more I think about it, I'm thinking, no, this could just be a way that they'll communicate. It could be a lot of things. I was going to throw something way out there that I realized the more I thought about it, it's not really that true. <laughs> Couldn't happen. But I was thinking, okay, Rumpelstiltskin, Bay's father, can see the future now that he's Rumple. Um, so maybe Bay can have that power and then Henry being the son can have that power. So Henry seeing the future of Aurora dying because mm. he's the grandson of Rumpel, but I don't think that works. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I like the communication idea. I think that would be yeah. awesome to see. Yeah. <gasps> oh my goodness. I just thought of something. <sighs> Clearly. So if, <laughs> <laughs> if, they have this dream because of being cursed. Didn't Snow say she had nightmares while she was asleep from the curse? Well, yeah. No, I mean, actually asleep before Snow White woke her up. Did she say she had nightmares then? Chat room, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm thinking she did say she had nightmares before Charming had kissed her. Sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe. Or I don't know, but... Uh, some in the chat room are saying, yes, she did. But here's my theory. The apple that poisoned Henry is still in Storybrooke as the apple turnover. What if someone, like maybe Regina, decides to sacrifice herself in some way to try and prove or to try and help bring back Emma and Snow... Or what if someone, though... It would be moldy by now. <laughs> Not Just necessarily. Saying. This is only a few days after the curse has been broken. So it wouldn't necessarily be moldy. Daniel would eat um, that. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone else tries to eat the apple turnover intentionally cursing themselves it's with in, these nightmares so that they could try and communicate? It, it's I at th- the police station in a baggie. I think it's starting to get a little too complicated. Evidence. So you think there would randomly be a third person? Or, there, right when we there could start be. thinking... But we haven't seen that apple turnover since the finale of season one, but they had it at the doctor's. Wasn't it put in a bag as evidence? Yeah, Emma had it as a bag. So, uh, in a bag. And um, Rebel's girl is telling Celeste that we saw it. It was at the hospital. Yes. 
at the hospital. Dr. Whale had it. He looked at it and he said, no, it can't be anything poisonous. But that was before the curse was broken. So I don't know if that will come into play or not. I mean, they might have just decided, okay, yes, this is poison. Let's destroy this. And that's the end of it. And Henry's going to have to be the one to communicate. If this is a communication portal, which I'm, I'm convinced that's what this is. Okay, so I, I rattled on quite a bit, and we're running a bit over time. But I want to give you guys any other. Uh, do you? What are your thoughts about this dream? You know, the reason I said that it would be cool if Jefferson could get there with his hat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still does have the hat that Emma made him. That's one thing. And I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been you, Jeremy, that said that it kind of sounds like the inside of his hat, the room oh, that they're no, describing. I, I didn't say that. It isn't, oh, well, somebody said it was because there are no. I mean, well, just the inside of his actual hat, not the rooms inside the hat. Curtains, yes. I don't. I think we're. Hmm. I think we're just seeing the beginning of a new thing, a new mystery, and we don't really have enough information yet. It's too sinister to simply be a means of communication. I think it may even be being done to them. Cora hmm. is an obvious choice in that case. Yeah, but where? Well, how would she be connected to any sort of sleeping curse? I don't know. That, it's just, maybe it's a window. Maybe it's not even completely connected to that. Maybe it's an opportunity for her somehow. But it sounds, it it has qualities of premonition and it has, or some kind of other perception of something that is happening the or only, being done. The only thing that that kind of makes it seem linked to me is that it's red. And Cora, if she's the mm-hmm. red queen, mm-hmm. then she's, you know, red, red. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but I, but then if we're going to talk about colors, well, there's also Ruby is very heavily associated with red more so than Cora. It's true. So such a mystery. Yeah. I don't know. Dan, any other thoughts on that? Or, or let me open up to you guys. Anything else that you want to say about this episode before we wrap up our discussion? I liked it. <laughs> the, chat room was wanting us to mention emma hugging snow when she got down from the beanstalk which is kind of a step for her character yeah actually i think you saw um several uh maturing and making up steps between because like mm -hmm. snow and aurora snow said i'll look after you and there seemed to be a trust and forgiveness between snow and aurora Mm -hmm. and then like the relationship with snow and emma yeah strengthened in this right roughing it kind of makes you kind of bond (laughs) and they're basically roughing it yeah and since i've said the other things i have to say that aurora and mulan seem to be they fit with the story now their character they seem to have found their characters and a little bit more and figured out who they're supposed to be yeah Yeah. i still think it could be possible that mulan is a spy for (laughs) cora yeah i think but all in her private moment she looked pretty reluctant to me to go start chopping down the beanstalk. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she so, just wanted the compass. Maybe she, but, was, maybe she was thinking, I wonder what Coral will think about this, because yeah. I haven't gotten her compass back. <laughs> In which case, she could have just not done it, though. Well, I do like Captain Hook more than Cora, or more than uh, Mulan. So. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Me too. He's a lot more likable. <laughs> I know, for a pirate. He's quite a nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's charming in an odd sort of way. Hook slash Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> you always bring rum to the party. No. <laughs> yeah, so listeners, uh, we are then, this is our wrap up of the conversation about the episode Tallahassee. So here's what we want you to do. If you have some more thoughts and theories about this, and I know I've seen that I received some more emails while we've been doing the podcast and voicemails, but um, 
I really wish we could get to those, but the best way that we can include your feedback and talk about and share, discuss what your theories is please go to one of two places. Go to oncepodcast.com slash 62, and you can reply uh, in a comment to anything that we've talked about in this episode. Or if you want to share your own theory, then a great place to do that, even better than in the comments, is go over to the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Join the forums. It's really easy. You can create a username and password or log in with Twitter or Facebook, and then share your thoughts and theories over there and discuss your thoughts and theories with others. And you might find people who will be like, hey, did you realize this piece? And you can piece these two things together and communicate with each other through fiery red dreams and dark corners and scary stuff like that if you want. But (laughs) it's an awesome community (laughs) there of so many people with so many topics. It is, I, let me apologize. I want to take a moment here. I'm sorry. I have not been able to welcome every new member to the forums. That's something I was trying to do, but there are just so many new members and it's, I've seen everyone's introductions, but just haven't been able to reply and welcome everyone to the forums. But uh, certainly check that out. Join over there and uh, connect with so many other Once Upon a Time fans and share your theories and reply to other theories. Again, please, please nominate, not nominate us, vote for us in the podcast awards over at podcastawards.com. We have three podcasts as finalists. There's uh, Under Comedy is the Ramen Noodle. Under entertainment is one's podcast. Woohoo! And this is the podcast we really want to receive an award. And then under technology is the Audacity to Podcast. And I want to give a nice shout out to the podcast Greetings from Storybrook for promoting that their audience go and vote for us. Because really, voting for one's podcast in the podcast awards helps the whole community because we try to connect other people with the other podcasts. We've got the complete list of Once Upon a Time podcasts on our website. We really want to encourage you to go out there, listen to other people's perspectives, see what each of them have to say about these things. So thank you very much uh, for um, Bill and... uh, I forget her name. Angie? Amy? Uh, But from greetingsfromstorybrook.com for your shout-out and encouraging your listeners to vote for us in the podcast awards. I also want to give quick shout outs to Cam's dad, Othello32, Unclarity from Brazil, and Perpetual Dreamer from Canada for leaving great reviews for us in iTunes. We really appreciate that. And you can review us in iTunes yourself by going to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Now, we have a new episode of Once Upon a Time this Sunday. And just take note, uh, there will not be an episode the week after that, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, but there will be an episode the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And I'll have a brief spoilers segment provided by Hunter after the music and after we finish this episode. So you can listen to that if you would like to hear some spoilers about upcoming episodes. But mark your calendars to, if you can, join us for the Eastern and Central Time viewing of the Once Upon a Time show on ABC and we'll have a chat room going and you can chat with us as we're all watching it at the same time. And then we have our initial reactions podcast live 15 minutes after the show. So we go live at 9.15 Eastern Standard Time. That's GMT minus five over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And you can join us when we do these full discussions on Wednesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus five over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And last thing that I want to uh, ask you to do is send us your thoughts and theories about the upcoming episode. Once it airs, get ready to call our voicemail number or send that email to us with your thoughts and theories or go in the forums and share them. 
Our feedback information is the email address. You can send written or recorded feedback to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 any time of the day. Or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab and send your message uh, right from your computer, an audio message right from your computer. And I'm sorry we can't include all of the feedback. We receive so much and it's such great feedback. I'm trying to include as much as we can and at least reply if I can't include it. But thank you so much for your great thoughts and theories. And we look to your forward to your thoughts and theories on the next episode. So please remember to vote for us every day before November 15th because time is running out. Tick tock, dearie. Tick tock. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the show on twitter.com slash once podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. And I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Dan Flynn Design. So get the links and screenshots and show notes and all of that that we mentioned for this episode over at oncepodcast.com slash 62. Vote for us in the podcast awards. Send your thoughts, feedback, and so much more so that we can figure out what's going on here and check out the other Once Upon a Time podcasts as well. So until next time, make sure that you always keep a bag of poppy handy with you in case you meet a giant. Thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast, David, Bonita, and Karen. If you'd like to be a sponsor of an episode of Once Podcast, or maybe several episodes, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And now, a special spoilers segment from Hunter. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here for the Once Podcast, and it's time for some spoilers. Season 2, Episode 7, Child of the Moon. Written by Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss. Directed by Anthony Hemingway. It's the first curse-free full moon in Storybrooke and a dead body is found. Ruby finds out she can't escape her fairy tale land past just because she's in Storybrooke and believes it was her. To keep it from happening again, she must be locked up. But are the jail's bars and doors strong enough to hold her? Albert Spencer, also known as King George, leads a group determined to find and kill the wolf. He also threatens to expose David as the shepherd and not the prince. Down in the mines, Leroy finds something that may be able to help bring back Mary, Margaret, and Emma. In past fairy tale time, we meet a spooky fairy tale land woman named Anita who claims to be Ruby's mother. But here's the problem Granny told Ruby her mother has been killed by humans. Anita is the leader of a pack of humans who, like Red, turn into wolves. Annabeth Gish stars as Anita, and Alan Dale is back as King George. In casting news, Once Upon a Time is looking for someone to fill the role of Gerhardt, who will appear in Episode 12, a handsome, idealistic military man in his late 20s with a family he loves. 
Jorge Garcia has made a comment to the Hollywood Reporter that we have not seen the last of the giant. Okay, now remember that box that August showed Neil last week? Well, I've heard it from the mouths of Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitzes that we will find out what is in the box this season. Also this season, we will find out more about the sleep curse nightmares that have affected Snow, Aurora, and Henry. That's it for this week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash bit of pixie dust. Enjoy the episode! (laughs) 